Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. Although he wishes it known that he's only doing this under duress, I now ask my producer, Edwin McMillan, to please cue up the appropriate theme song. No, not that rocky. In case you haven't heard, a rather stunning development took place, a true Rocky Balboa-type moment down at Stanford Stadium on Saturday when the Cal Aggies, the rather heavy underdogs, went down and, well, let me just, let me just read from the San Francisco Chronicle. Maybe it was the half-hour highlight film for the past 32 years of UC Davis football that coach Bob Biggs showed his team before Saturday's game. Maybe it was the boisterous crowd of about 8,000 UC Davis rooters who made themselves heard throughout the game-winning drive from the corner of Stanford Stadium. Maybe it was the toughness of quarterback John Grant, who had two agonizing games throwing six interceptions and close losses. He threw no interceptions Saturday and led his team on a 72-yard drive in the final three minutes to win the game. Yes, UC Davis beat Stanford, a Pacific 10 team with a long tradition, 111-year tradition of football, 20-17. to 17. Yes, UC Davis 20, Stanford 17. It was a shocker. UC Davis offensive coordinator Mike Morosky termed it the biggest win in UC Davis's history. It was a most curious development. This correspondent was in attendance, and I'm keen to tell you about what I saw down there in Palo Alto on Saturday night. And because sports is an important part of American life, we think it's a legitimate topic to be the main theme of today's public affairs show here on Radio Parallax. We hope to be joined uh, shortly by Angela DePrado, who is KDVS's sports director, as well as, we hope, UC Davis Chancellor Larry Vanderhoff. So we're crossing our fingers on that, but we will definitely be able to bring you our own uh, Radio Parallax uh, sports, special sports correspondent Sean Minton, who I'm sure will join us in, in segment two or three. Stay tuned. But first, let's, uh, let's start our show in the usual fashion before coming back to the story of what happened uh, at Stanford. On this date, September 22nd, 1780, in Virginia, Followers of Captain William Lynch sign an execution pact, thus becoming the first lynch mob. On this date in 1828, Shaka 
founder of the Zulu Kingdom of Southern Africa, is murdered by his two half-brothers after his mental instability threatens to destroy the Zulu tribe. And on this date in 1989, the legendary American songwriter Irving Berlin, who composed 1,500 songs, passed away in New York at the ripe old age of 101. The author of such American standards as Blue Skies uh, first, I think, was uh, made a splash on the American music scene in 1914 with Alexander's Ragtime Band. It's an interesting bit of trivia that Irving Berlin holds the record for the oldest person to have a number one hit on the American pop charts when, in 1982, uh, this went to number one. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Putting on the Ritz. Different types who wear a day coat, pants with stripes and cutaway coat, perfect fits. Putting on the Ritz. Dressed up like a million dollar trooper. Trying hard to look like Gary Cooper. Come, let's mix where Rockefellers walk with sticks or umbrellas in their midst. Putting on the Ritz. Yes, that was the immortal Taco during doing his version of Irving Berlin's classic, Putting on the Ritz. Uh, my favorite version of it, of course, comes from the 1972 Mel Brooks film, Young Frankenstein, when... Uh, Professor Frankenstein demonstrates the monster, played by Peter Boyle, before the, uh, the uh, audience of peasants by having him come out in top hat and tails, and the two of them do a duet to putting on the Ritz. Interesting to note, uh, I believe that Irving Berlin could not read music. He would have someone else uh, put the notes to the page. He would fiddle on the piano. He uh, apparently could only write in one key. But, uh, boy, what a body of work. Uh, things like God Bless America. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, there's no business like show business. I start talking about Irving Berlin. It's just there, there are so many great, great songs. Anyway, gone 16 years ago today, but... Certainly not forgotten, Irving Berlin. And our quote of the day comes from uh, the 776 Stupidest Things Ever Said compilation by Ross and Catherine Petrus. Quote from Rick Sellers in the Washington Post some years back. Rick Sellers is the executive director of the Coalition for the SDI. That's the Strategic Defense Initiative, uh, better known as Star Wars. Uh, Rick Sellers said, quote, I don't think the American public wants to be bothered with uh, the what, when, and how of lasers in space and things like that. Whether the technology will work or how much it costs, these are peripheral arguments. Well, I think that does rank among the dumbest things ever said. Whether it will work seems a rather, you know, central issue to the Strategic Defense Initiative. And of course, by the way, all indications to date are that no, it absolutely will not work. And our joke of the day, let's make it jokes of the day. Here's, it must be nice to be a man, which has the following reasons behind it. You don't care if someone notices your new haircut. It must be nice to be a man. Same work, more pay. <laughs> it's nice to be a man. Wrinkles add character. <laughs> and it's definitely nice to be a man in that wedding dress, 
$5,000. Tux rental, $100. (laughs) It's nice to be a man. A five-day vacation requires one suitcase. Nice to be a man. You can open all your own jars. It's uh, it's nice to be a man in that you can leave the motel bed unmade. (laughs) Uh, It's nice to be a man because you get extra credit for the slightest act of thoughtfulness. Uh, Let's see, three, three, three to close. It's nice to be a man because you're not expected to know the names of more than five colors. Nice to be a man because you don't have to stop and think of which way to turn a nut on a bolt. And finally, it's nice to be a man because the same hairstyle lasts for years, maybe decades. This is a man's, man's, man's world. But it wouldn't be nothing, nothing without a woman on All right. We're relieved to report that um, The Week magazine came this week because we do like to supplement uh, from it for our broadcasts on a weekly basis. And um, what better way to start than the usual Good Week 4, Bad Week 4 section from The Week? So we didn't like any of the Good Week 4 selections, but we liked two of the Bad Week 4. It was judged a Bad Week for fawning courtiers after newly crowned King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia announced last week He would no longer let his subjects kiss his hand. Kissing hands is something alien to our values and ethics, said King Abdullah, and is refused by free and honest souls. And uh, speaking of oil, (laughs) uh, it was a bad week for accepting reality after it was reported that uh, by officials there's a huge increase in in the country of the number of seething motorists who are filling their tanks with 50 to $80 worth of gas only to zoom off without paying. Interesting, with fuel prices surging, it was noted by the Wall Street Journal that Americans used 4% less gasoline uh, last week than they did in the week before Hurricane Katrina. So in spite of the prices shooting up, only a 4% reduction. I think it's gonna have to get higher for people to start driving a little more economically. And for the record, the cheapest gasoline in the world is in oil-rich Venezuela, where a gallon of petrol sells for 12 cents. The most expensive fuel in the world is reported to be in the Netherlands, where a gallon of gas costs $6.48. And from the Only in America file, a fundamentalist preacher is protesting the proposed 9-11 Flight 93 Memorial in Pennsylvania because its design a mile-long semicircle of red maple trees around the crash site, is too similar to the Islamic lunar crescent symbol. The crescent is as much connected to Islam as the cross to Christianity, said Reverend Ron McRae. This is a memorial to the terrorists who killed those people, not a memorial to the folks who died there innocently. The memorial's designer says no tribute to terrorists was intended. Also from the Only in America file comes the news that Texas uh, corporate raider T. Boone Pickens, described uh, by the press as a Texas oil man, hired a 737 to fly uh, pets from the Louisiana SPCA Center 
to Northern California. They were sent to the Marin Humane Society in Novato, California, where barrier residents will be able to contribute to the post-Katrina recovery by simply adopting a cat or dog. What I love about the gesture is two things. T. Boone Pickens, who's just just a ruthless corporate, you know, uh, raider who goes in, buys up corporations, busts them up, you know, tears it up, fires people, gets some laid off work, you know, it doesn't matter as long as he can go in and make a buck on the whole deal, is now out seeking to get a good press, which he, which he by and large got from this gesture. But I also note T. Boone Pickens didn't send a plane to pick up any people down in New Orleans and ship them around the country. No, he's picking up dogs and cats and sending them to Northern California. Price tag for this adventure, $80,000. But then again, the net worth of Mr. T. Boone Pickens, corporate raider, is estimated to be $750 million. And, and I don't begrudge him the dough. It's just, you know, how he got it is kind of what's unsettling. But anyway... And speaking of PR, we were regrettably unable to attend the Sacramento Metro Chamber Perspectives on September 16th, which featured John Edwards, John Ashcroft, uh, Colin Powell, Judy Woodruff, and Sugar Ray Leonard. We would just like to quote from the former Secretary of State, uh, the man who went to the UN and said there were weapons of mass destruction, of course, that, uh, you know, well, we won't go there again today. But apparently Colin Powell, during his talk to Sacramento audience, quoted General George Patton, in saying that about America's involvement in Iraq, quote, when you put your hand to it, the thing must be done, unquote. And uh, actually, George Patton rings a bell. If I return back to my, uh, my volume of This Day in History, we might note that on This Day in History in 1945, U.S. General George S. Patton publicly questioned the need to rid Germany of Nazis by comparing the controversy over Nazism to a, quote, Democratic and Republican election fight, unquote. <laughs> more, more pearls of wisdom from Colin Powell, noting that China poses a large challenge in how it is educating masses of engineers, etc. Powell said, quote, We can meet that challenge as long as we retain our education system, improve our education system, do more than we are doing now, and make sure we never lose our ingenuity or our creativity. Yes, folks, this is a man that some people hailed as a as, as presidential timber, the kind of guy we should put in the Oval Office. Uh, uh, this does remind me, you know, this, this quote from Colin Powell, that, you know, if we can do more than we're doing now and make sure we never lose our ingenuity or our creativity, comes from my friend Leah, who was who reporting on a, a meeting down in Hollywood, where, where actor Christopher Guest, Nigel Tufnell of Spinal Tap, etc., was attending a meeting with one of the, uh, the, uh, the studio executive types who was discussing one of, his, uh, one of his efforts and how it was running a bit long. So his suggestion to Christopher Guest was, here's what we need to do. Take out the parts that aren't funny and, and leave in the parts that are funny which reportedly had guest sort of eyeing the guy and, and nodding his head as he was sort of rolling his eyes a bit. And where are they now? The little people of Stone Age. And what would they say to us if we were here? 
In a couple of emails we were sent by our good friend Jerry, the prolific email writer, in one case noted that, um, that an internal email of the U.S. Department of Justice had surfaced last week, sent out to various U.S. attorneys' office, asking, has your district defended any cases on behalf of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers against claims brought by environmental groups seeking to block or otherwise impede the Corps' work on the levees protecting New Orleans? If so, please describe the case and the outcome of the litigation. This, of course, is an effort by folks such as the National Review Online, which in their September 8th issue had chastised the Sierra Club and other environmental groups for suing to halt the Corps' 1996 plan to raise and fortify 303 miles of Mississippi River levees in Louisiana, Mississippi, and Arkansas. The Corps settled the litigation in 1997, agreeing to hold off on some work until environmental impact could be completed. The National Review article had concluded... Whether this delay directly affected the levees that broke in New Orleans is difficult to ascertain. Well, it it is very difficult to ascertain because it was Lake Pontchartrain that overflowed its banks into New Orleans, not the levees on the Mississippi proper. So obviously they're searching for an environmentalism scapegoat on this fiasco, but uh, it's it's not going to work. Let's take a short break. We'll be joined in uh, segment two by KDVS's sports director, Angela DePrado. Stay tuned for that. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. And of course, this is KDVS, 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento.